the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. While the UK political establishment ties itself in knots over Brexit, the shipping industry is simply looking for clarity. The hardliners on both sides of the debate are outraged, suggesting that Mrs May has at least found a middle ground Brexit deal that will leave almost nobody in Britain particularly happy, but could at least give all sides something. From the outset, shipping companies have said that maintaining frictionless trade between the UK and the European Union is the absolute priority. The withdrawal agreement on the table appears to achieve that in part. The alternative is a no-deal scenario that would bring about an unprecedented challenge for the maritime sector. The government's own watchdog this week issued a damning report warning that there is a significant and growing risk that the UK ports will face major disruptions in the event of a no-deal Brexit, dubbing the Department for Transport's preparations for avoiding disruption around major ports as worryingly underdeveloped. That was probably the nicest thing that anybody said about the Department for Transport this week. So, as the Prime Minister begins her two-week campaign to sell the Brexit deal to the public and MPs before the vote in the House of Commons on 11th of December, we sat down this week with the Chief Executive of the UK Chamber of Shipping, Bob Sanguinetti, to discuss the best outcome for shipping and why a bad deal is probably better than no deal. Bob Sanguinetti, Chief Executive Officer of the UK Chamber of Shipping, welcome to the Lawyers List podcast. Hello. Um, Now... I fear, sitting here in your London office, that uh, at the mention of the word Brexit, I'm either going to be getting very good ratings for this podcast or or immediately um, have the rest of the industry switch off. Um, It has divided uh, certainly the British nation, but uh, in terms of shipping industry, Brexit seems to have caused some glazed eyes recently in terms of uh, uh, wanting to know what is going to happen. Clearly, the industry wants uncertainty, but uh, it doesn't look as though it's going to get it, does it? What, what's your current summation of where we are? Well, we, we, we live in extremely exciting uh, and challenging times, I think it's fair to say. Um, Brexit is a hugely complex and contentious subject. Um, I'll stay away from the politics and focus on uh, on an area that I'm perhaps better qualified to talk about, and that's uh, that's shipping and how um, shipping might be affected by by Brexit. But uh, um, in terms of where we are, um, we, we we know that we're heading for the crucial vote in uh, in, the, in a couple of weeks' time on uh, the, the the plan on the on the table, the withdrawal agreement. Um, I would say that from the shipping perspective, it represents a positive outcome for shipping and it represents a positive outcome for businesses more generally, uh, both in the UK and across the channel in the EU. But uh, we see it very much as uh, one step of uh, a process towards the long-term trade agreement, uh, which has been trailed, as uh, as, as your listeners will know, uh, in the political declaration on, on the future relationship. So there's still uh, a long way to go. But um, in the meantime, uh, should the deal be uh, approved by Parliament, it represents a positive step for shipping because it, it provides certainty, uh, it provides some stability in the short term, at least, uh, for uh, trade to continue to flow smoothly mm. between the UK and the EU in both directions, which has been our key objective uh, throughout the process since pretty much the time of the uh, referendum some two years ago. Mm. And, and and that's important because obviously this is this is listened to outside of the UK, where I would say the uh, the political discourse has been somewhat febrile in terms of uh, the tone. But uh, this is an international trade issue as much as it is anything else at the moment, and. 
the, the, the key point here is, regardless of whether you view Theresa May's uh, current deal as a bad deal, and it does seem to have at least united both sides of the political debate in, in, in agreeing that it is a bad deal, it is a deal. And uh, the alternative, of course, is no deal. And that has been the uh, the, the worst case scenario for shipping from, from day one, that we, we, we exit the EU, uh, fall off a cliff and, uh, and, and effectively plunge ourselves into the chaos of, of, of not knowing what happens next. Stability has always been what the UK Chamber of Shipping has been lobbying for the UK government prior to Brexit and will continue to do so. But that stability seems like a bit of a pipe dream, regardless of where we are, surely. Well, there, there, there will be risks and there will be challenges ahead, um, whether it's uh, this deal or another deal. Um, and, and certainly um, in the case of a no-deal scenario, uh, which, uh, again, um, from a shipping perspective, is, uh, is, is probably um, the worst-case scenario, um, because the, the, the impact would be uh, damaging would be disruptive, uh, if not uh, chaotic, um, at the ports and, and clearly um, through the infrastructure beyond the ports. Uh, what uh, the shipping industry needs is some certainty in uh, or some clarity in, in the regulatory framework that it operates in. Uh, whether that changes or not, it would take time uh, for, for, for that to uh, take effect. Um, and um, if the infrastructure, uh, the routes need to change, uh, shipping could adapt, but but that would take time, and that would be costly, uh, and that would be hugely disruptive to um, to industry, uh, to businesses, and to the consumer um, mm. uh, as a result. But your your colleagues in the UK Major Ports Group and the British Ports Association have been fairly sanguine about the whole affair. They they seem to think that you know shipping will adapt, shipping can adapt. Realistically, we are going to have to you know trade with outside nations. We are going to have to do what shipping has always done. We have movable assets, and we will always adapt to the market conditions, whatever is thrown our way. I I, I would agree with the notion that uh, that shipping will will adapt because shipping is inherently flexible uh, and and uh, and can do that. Um, but that that takes uh, that takes time and that comes at a price. If uh, if the, the the bulk of the goods uh, that we're trading with um, Europe come through um, specifically Dover Calais, the, the reason for that is because that is the the most uh, optimized, the most cost efficient way of of goods to to, to be um, transferred across the channel. Clearly, if, if if changes are necessary and other routes are looked at uh, or indeed established, uh, shipping. Could adapt to that or would adapt to that, but the reality is that uh, that would take time because uh, the ships are uh, optimized or customized for the ports, the, the ports that they're operating from, mm. for example. And if the crossing takes uh, two or three hours as opposed to twelve hours or twelve hours plus between alternative routes, then clearly that will impact on the the very intricate and tight logistic network that the UK is. Woven into mm. with uh, with the EU, so uh, of course shipping could adapt, the freight companies could adapt, uh, but that would impact on the uh, the logistics train, and that would take time, and that would uh, come at a price which would be passed on to businesses, would be passed on to the consumer, as mm. we've heard in, in numerous reports already. Now, in terms of the discussions you are having with the government, um, obviously there are public discussions, there are closed-door discussions. We've heard that uh, the demand for transport is, is using extensive amounts of uh, non-disclosure agreements, understandably so under certain circumstances. We're talking about commercially sensitive data and uh, scenario planning that uh, it has to at least be done uh, partly behind uh, closed doors. But 
Uh, we're, we're talking uh, 24 hours after the uh, UK's Public Accounts Committee released a, a fairly damning uh, report. For our non-UK listeners, the, the Public Accounts Committee is a effectively a parliamentary spending watchdog that uh, holds the UK government to account on, on its various projects. Costs are spiralling in terms of uh, Brexit planning. The uh, committee's report rather damningly described the Department of Transport as woefully uh, unprepared, described it as complacent, it described it as using uh, non-disclosure agreements to the point that it is not communicating properly with either the public or business. It looks like a mess from the outside, surely. Um, well, that, that that that's not the uh, that, that's not the way we see it from uh, from from the shipping perspective and from the chamber. Uh, we we like uh, the, the ports community uh, have a a good relationship with the Department for Transport and indeed other uh, departments of government that are uh, involved in in Brexit related work. Um, they do have uh, 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 the unenviable role of of trying to to plan. Um, for uh, the worst case scenario, or trying to plan for for any scenario, uh, which is in itself uh, a difficulty that, uh, that that we all face, and it's it's very difficult to uh, to get certainly the private sector to to focus uh, and to invest uh, time, effort, and money into scenarios that we know very little about at the moment. Um, um, but we, we have a very good relationship with uh, with the Department for Transport at all levels. We work very closely with them on uh, uh, on scenario planning. Uh, as you say, much of uh, what we've done is covered by non-disclosure agreements. Uh, and we acknowledge that to an extent there's a need for uh, for, for those measures. Uh, but we also encourage uh, the Department for Transport to, to be as open uh, and as, 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 as wide in their engagement as possible to make sure uh, that we bring in uh, all the um, uh, all the, the the players, the stakeholders involved in the intricate nature of uh, logistics and shipping logistics in particular. Mm. It's not an easy task, but we 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 continue to work closely with with them, and uh, we we encourage them to uh, to continue the dialogue as openly as possible. Mm. But that in itself has the negative effect of feeding into the project fear, if not uh, uh, the the project hysteria, as it's now being called. Um, um, that, that's uh, that, that, that's, that's pervading uh, uh, just about every conversation that uh, that is taking place out there. Yes. Well, I, I mean, you you, you understandably uh, started the conversation saying you were trying to avoid politics when in discussing this, but I mean, realistically, this is a political discourse. It doesn't matter which side of the debate you're on. Uh, you yourself, uh, you know, used the phrase "put up or shut up" when it comes to uh, supporting the uh, the current deal on the table from from Theresa May. That in itself, of course, is a political standpoint. Understandably so, given your membership. You know, you're looking for that stability. You're looking for the certainty of of, of at least knowing that a no deal is 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 not on the table. But you're arguing effectively that the those who oppose the current deal really need to put some tangible arguments against what that looks like, because right now that looks pretty bad from your point of view. Um, indeed, uh, what we've seen is is that the uh, the, the only deal that's that's uh, that's out there that, that's uh, achieved any uh, any amount of uh, of exposure and discussion is the one that's been agreed between the EU and the UK. We've seen no alternatives out there. Uh, there might well be alternatives, but uh, um, and, and that there is uh, th- there's a lot of uh, ideology, there's a lot of uh, a political posturing and so on taking place. Mm. Not really our business to comment on, uh, but there is very little in terms of substance that would satisfy our primary objective of mm. seeing that uh, seeing stability uh, in uh, in the way that we do business across the channel with with, with the EU, and uh, we we firmly believe that the the withdrawal agreement. Um, gives us that stability. 
uh, but I hasten to add in the short term only because clearly uh, the, the the detail will come downstream uh, as the uh, the future relationship mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, is mapped out between the UK and the EU. But from what we see from the uh, the declaration itself, we can see that uh, that there's an ability for free trade uh, for, for a free trade area to be uh, negotiated between ourselves and uh, the EU in a way that's not been done before. We see that there'll be freedom for uh, trade deals to be struck with other countries as well. So, so that there are positives as well as negatives mm. in, in Brexit. And perhaps now's the time to, uh, to, to stress that point, that, that yes, uh, certain sectors of, uh, of shipping uh, understandably see this as, uh, as a risk uh, because of the impact on, on the very tight logistics network between the UK and the EU. But if you look more broadly at the potential for trade deals to be struck in the future, um, uh, noting that uh, the, the, the majority of... Um, Economic growth is likely to take place in um, Southeast Asia, in Africa, in South America in the coming 20, 30 years. So expanding trade with those countries, which generates economic prosperity and increases the amount of shipping that we see globally, has got to be a good thing. And the UK, um, if uh, on successful completion of, uh, of these negotiations, and there's a big if there, but on successful, uh, successful completion, of these negotiations, the UK will be very well placed to take advantage of uh, uh, of the increased uh, activity. Understood, understood. However, with the caveat that both you and I are not political experts and, and are not going to be able to forecast what's happening, it does seem that the current deal is not going to survive a, a British parliamentary vote in December without at least some amendments. Now, that's not necessarily to say the deal as a whole is off the table, but it does mean that the details, which are massively important to you, um, are going to be up for negotiation. Now, in the context of your negotiations with the DFT, with uh, the the various discourse, do you think that the shipping industry as a whole and the port sector, I'm encompassing the whole of the maritime when I ask this, have we have we got a, a enough leverage? Have we got a seat at the table? Um, given comments from uh, our, the previous EU exit secretary, Dominic Rupp, who apparently didn't even seem to know where Dover was on the map. Um, it, it worries me a little bit that uh, the, uh, the, the 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 nuts and bolts of trade are perhaps not being uh, discussed in in enough detail at a high level. Um, I, I I don't know to, to to what extent that statement is is, is correct. Um, but I think what 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 I've seen, what I've heard, uh, is a fairly unanimous view from across uh, just about the entire business spectrum. Uh, we've 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 heard what uh, the CBI uh, has said on on the deal. Uh, we have um, heard um, uh, very stark uh, comments from the governor of the Bank of England. Uh, we have made our case uh, as, uh, as as widely known as possible, uh, as um, as indeed other uh, trade associations linked to uh, uh, to, to this business uh, have done. Whether that um, carries sufficient weight or not. Uh, uh, it, it remains to be seen, but uh, but but uh, it, it's 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 certainly fundamental from our perspective, from our members' perspective, that uh, we avoid the the no deal scenario. And again, whilst not wishing to speculate, nobody quite knows what will happen if uh, the vote, uh, if Parliament votes against the deal on the table, whether uh, there'll, there'll be scope for further negotiations, uh, alternative uh, deals. Um, um, indeed, a general election. Um, we won't speculate on that. Uh, but, but what is absolutely fundamental is uh, for trade to continue to uh, to flow as smoothly as it does between the uh, 
uh, the UK and its biggest trading partner, the EU, in both ways. Wonderful. Well, uh, Bob Sanguinetti, uh, thank you very much for joining the Lawyers of this podcast. We hope very much to uh, hear some further updates with uh, you uh, as we get a little bit more clarity from the government in terms of what we are going to be doing. But for now, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.